Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at rpyoungadults. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome home. Uh, You know, at RPYA, this is a place, uh, we often like to say, this is a place where you can belong before you believe. You don't have to think like us to be like us. You know, in fact, there was 12 disciples, uh, well, 12, yeah, 12 disciples, and they didn't all believe Jesus. They didn't, they, but they followed him anyways. They still believed what they knew, and they, you know, doubted what they doubted. In fact, one of those disciples had a nickname for his doubts. Anybody knows what his nickname was? Doubting Thomas. So that's plain evidence that this is, you know, you can belong. That, that's plain evidence that, that Jesus still wants to be friends with you, even if you don't believe everything he did or everything he said. But our hope is that someday that you will. All right, this is a place that you can belong before you believe in hopes that one day that you can become a passionate Christ follower. Does that sound good? Great, great. My name is Kelly, and I'm the RPYA pastor, and we are having an awesome river rafting, road tripping, spelunking, rock climbing retreat that's happening June 27th, and I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. I cannot Woo! And you know, if we need some extra chairs in the back, you don't have to sit on the ground because we want you to be comfortable. We love you guys. Adam Jaloyan, right? So um, that's my boy, Adam. He was the one, you know, playing the guitar and, you know, playing the vocal cords. And um, so he's really awesome. Anyways, I probably should get to preaching. Um, dang, man, some people are starting over tonight. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like it because he's just graduated. And maybe he doesn't feel like it because, you know, you're, you're, you're starting over and this is a new summer. Welcome to summer. I hope you enjoy the rain. But sometimes starting over is not what we expected it to be. Case in point, rain. Thank you, Jesus. Which, by the way, is going to be awesome for river rafting. Uh, all right, I'm paused. All right, because this is going to be awesome. All right, we're going we're gonna to start at class three rapids. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know what that means. It just means awesome. But starting over isn't always what it seems to be, and I've had a lot of starting over in my life, myself. See, uh, my first job, anybody remember their first job? I remember my first job. I was, uh, yeah, I was like a 15-year-old kid, and I would carry buckets, and I would sell overpriced candy to strangers. It was awesome. The company was called American Teens, and and then after that, I, w- I worked for Seas Candy. Then I worked as a preschool assistant here at Rocky Peak. Then I was a high school ministry assistant. Then I worked at Papyrus Stationery. Then I worked at Bad Bad Clothing. And then I worked at Papyrus Stationery again. And then I was a school bus driver. And then I was a delivery driver for Beverly Glen Deli. Then I was a product placement delivery driver. Then I was a server at the very, the one and only Chili's. Were you at Rito Berry? Then I started a DJ company, and then I became a college dropout, and then I became a missionary, then I became a college drop-in, and then I became a high school director, then I became a Rocky Peak young adult pastor, and that's a lot of starting over. But if that wasn't enough, my relationships had a lot of starting over. At first, it was Laura C. She broke up with me. Then it was Holly M. She broke up with me. Then it was Christina C. She broke up with me, too. And then it was Jennifer M. Let me guess. She broke up with me, yes. Uh, And then it was Michelle K. She put up with me. And so I had a lot. And the funny thing about the breakups is that all of them broke up with me because, you know, God told them that they needed to take a break. And I was like, God, why do you keep stealing my girlfriends? And But then again, you know, it all all worked out for the good. So when it comes to starting over, the question that I want to ask is how do we ensure... 
How do we ensure that next time is better than the last time? When it comes to starting over, how do we ensure that next time is better than the last time? And the problem is, is that we often learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter least. And we often, we all, we often repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter most. See, in the areas that matter least, when it comes to like video games, cards, social media, texting, you know, like, you know, you, you, you finish a level, you lose, and you, and you get another level, and you, and you win. Or like if there's a, a camera, and you're trying to learn how to like correctly expose, you know, a particular shot, you learn from your mistakes, and then you fix it, right? Those are the areas of your life that kind of matter the least. But the areas of your life that matter the most, we often repeat those mistakes. You know, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to finances, when it comes to school, when it comes to credit card debt, when it comes to argument, when it comes to your anger, when it comes to your spirituality, when it comes to spiritual habits, those are the things that matter the most, but we often repeat those mistakes. So again, I want to reinforce the question, how do we ensure that next time is better than the last time? when it comes to starting over. And the problem is there's, there's three deadly assumptions that we fall into which keep us repeating the same mistakes over and over and dating the same type of people and continually thinking in the same type of deadly destructive patterns. There, there are three deadly assumptions. And by the way, these, tonight is not the only night that we're talking about this. See, this is a whole series it's called Starting Over, and we're going to be talking about these deadly assumptions all summer long. And hopefully by the end of the summer, you leave looking more like Jesus than when you showed up here. Or wherever you end up going, you leave more like Jesus infecting and influencing that campus more like Jesus than when you, uh, well, well, before then you showed up there, right? You get it. Words. So today we're going to explore the three deadly assumptions. The first deadly assumption that you need to understand that push us, that constantly um, um, uh, trick us into making bad decisions. The first deadly assumption is the experience myth. The experience myth. See, we think that if we had a bad experience, that's automatically going to make us wiser. No, that is not true. That just means you're older. You're more frustrated, right? You're poorer, right? You're madder. You're lonelier. You're just tired, right? Experience doesn't necessarily make you wiser, but evaluated experience. Well, that's a whole nother story. See, a lot of times we, we get to a place in our life and we, we ask the question, where did I go wrong? How did I end up here? Right? And that's a good question to ask. But the problem is we don't stick around long enough to figure out the answer. Right? Experience alone does not make us wiser. It doesn't even give us the, the courage to display self-control. Experience doesn't make us wiser, but evaluated experience can. So that's the first assumption that we fall into that keep us on the roller coaster of bad decisions. And if you want next time to be better than the last time, you need to let go of this myth. The second myth that we need to let go of is the I know better myth. I know. Somebody say, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I know. 
Like, turn to your other neighbor and say, I know the way you say it to your parents. I know. I know. I know. I know. See, the reason why your parents keep repeating themselves to you, you want to know why? <laughs> what? <laughs> you're, you're like, I know why, Kelly. Because <laughs> I'm stubborn. <laughs> No, it's not because you're stubborn, because they know that knowledge does not equal action. Knowing better doesn't mean doing better. It's a myth. See, the reason why your parents keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again is because they know that knowing better doesn't mean you actually doing better. And you keep responding, I know. It's a lie that keeps us on the cycle of making bad decisions. And if you continue to believe in the same myth, that just because knowing better means doing better, then you're going to continue to make the bad dating mistakes that you made in the last relationship, in this relationship, and then you're going to make, the bad, make another bad relationship decision in the next relationship, and then you're going to stand around looking at your friends like, man, what's wrong with all these people I keep dating? And they're going to be like, you are so funny. You are the common denominator of all your problems, okay? Because wherever you go, guess who's there? You. You keep picking the wrong people. You got a bad picker. Those people keep picking you, and you don't know how to say no. Because knowing better doesn't equal doing better. In fact, knowing better doesn't even mean that you have the strength to do better. It doesn't even mean that you have the power to do better. And it doesn't mean that you have the self-control to do better. So in order to break the cycle that comes with this myth, we need to evaluate our experiences. And we need to, we need to stop trying to know better. And we must figure out what we must do in order to ensure that we actually do better. The third myth that we fall into. So what's the first myth? The experience myth. Good job, 10 points. The second, what's the second myth? The know better myth, right? I don't have notes for you guys, so you gotta keep up. And the third myth is the time myth. Time myth. See, the time myth says, time is my enemy. I'm running out of time, for a limited time only, right? This is the most difficult myth to overcome, ladies. Guys. See, we, we, we have dreams of whatever, you know, getting into whatever college at a certain timeline, graduating at a certain time, you know, got to get in, you know, three and a half years, going to, you know, crank out 28 units in one semester. I know you crazy. Because I'm running out of time. I'm not getting any younger. Everybody else is fill in the blank. People my age are filling in the, you know, just fill in the blank. The, the lie is that time is our enemy. And whenever we go in, whenever we face trauma or whenever we face a failure from a round one that just went south, we need time to recuperate before we enter into round two. We do. 
Time is your friend, not your enemy. And one of the greatest myths that we can fall into is rushing into something too soon. Whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship. And so, there's a couple things I want to bring up about this because I think, I think this is so deadly. Especially when we face trauma because whenever you're in pain, like you need time to recuperate. Because whenever we're in pain, we actually get narcissistic. Did you know that? We get really self-absorbed whenever we're hurting. And, and it's nearly impossible to make clear decisions when we're hurting or angry or lonely or tired or hungry, for that matter. But, um, but, but when you're in pain, and, and you, maybe, maybe this is too close to home, think about a friend that you know that might be in pain. Guess what they talk about all the time? That same painful subject. It's always her fault. It's always his fault. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe the whole system is against me. Man, whatever, right? When you're in pain, you become self-absorbed. And when you are self-absorbed, guess what self-absorbed people do? They make self-absorbed decisions. They need time. See, pain comes in like, like, like a wave. You know, like waves at the beach? They come in and they crash hard. But they often don't dissipate as fast as they crash in, right? See, see, waves dissipate eventually because guess what? You just need to know this, even if you're going through a tough time right now. No emotion lasts forever. No emotion lasts forever. Say it with me. No emotion lasts forever. Good. Now that you know better, hopefully we can do something about that. No emotions last forever. But they don't leave as fast as they come. You need time. And one of the greatest things that you can learn from even just tonight is that time is your friend. And there are two people in the Bible. You're not going to like this illustration. It's going it's to mess with you. See, God uses time to develop people. See, you know Moses, you know the prince of Egypt, Moses, right? Moses lived in Egypt. He was like one of the, king, one of the uh, Pharaoh's like, like officials. And he talked like an Egyptian. He even walked like an Egyptian. But he was not an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew. How does Moses like his tea? Hebrews it. He was a Hebrew. He didn't like, he did not like how the Jews were being treated in Egypt. So he did something about it, got into a scuffle, killed the guy, whatever. And... Um, he was banished from Egypt. So he left. Or he was banished when he left. He fled from Egypt. And so it was in the waiting that God developed in him something that he did not know about himself. And you know how long he waited? You're not going to like this. He waited for 40 years. Thank you. You were like, yes. You're tracking. I like it. He waited 40 years. And when he came back for round two, because round one didn't go very well, right? Um, but when he came back for round two, he became the savior, the leader of God's chosen people and led them out of bondage and into freedom. And when you go through a time of waiting, God often does two things in your life. He often gives you a divine destiny and abiding humility. The same thing happened with King David. You know King David, right? King David, um, uh, yeah, in the Bible. 
King David. He was anointed by Saul to be the next king of Israel. He was anointed by Solomon. Samuel, that's what it is. Samuel. He was anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel, and things went south with Saul, and David was next. But David, when he was younger, he, he actually was in the kingdom with King Saul. He used to be a, a great musician. And, and one day, everything's fine and dandy in the kingdom, and then out of nowhere, an arrow just flies right by David's head, and guess who shot it? King Saul. And he knew that he was supposed to be king. But it didn't make sense that God would lead him out of the very kingdom he was supposed to lead and into the desert in hiding as a fugitive. And you know how long King David had to wait? Somewhere between 8 and 12 years. But again, it's in the waiting, the time, where God brought David back with a divine destiny and abiding humility to handle the responsibility that God had for him. I don't know how long God's going to have you wait, but when you do, you will have a divine destiny and abiding humility to withstand the responsibility that God has for you. So let's debunk that myth. Time is not your enemy. Time is your friend. Three myths that push us into making bad decisions. The experience myth, the time myth, and the no better myth. I'm going to close up shop here soon, but I want you to open up Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. Genesis, Exodus, Romans. 828. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. <laughs> You're like, that's not right. <laughs> Kelly was like, was started to pay attention all of a sudden, like, what? After Exodus. Romans 8:28. I know that some of you memorized it. It's one of the most powerful passages that has ever been misinterpreted in the Bible. I'm going to start reading and start interpreting, and now. It says, okay, first of all, Paul. Paul's crazy, right? All right, you may be listening to the podcast or YouTube that's not happening. Um, you, may be, you may be listening on podcasts. You may be here for the first time, and you're not like a Jesus person, right? right? And if you don't like Christians, you're going to love Paul because Paul used to kill Christians, right? Paul hated Christians. He did. Right? His whole life was dedicated to getting rid of them. They were an abomination to Judaism. And he had the, you know, he had the, what's that, I saw the light experience? That's where that came from. Like, oh, I saw the light and, you know, whatever. Right? Paul had, a, I, came, I came to Jesus, I saw the light moment on the road of Damascus. And Jesus showed up like, why are you killing me, Paul? And Paul's like, oh, my bad. And so Paul turned around and changed his whole life. And he became one of the leaders of the church. And he wrote this to a church in Rome. And he's writing this to us today. It says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. That passage is so loaded, and it broke me even this morning. If you would just highlight that passage in your Bible apps or circle it in your, in your paper Bibles, who does that? The first part says, and we know. And we know. Isn't there so much we don't know? We don't know how your relationship's going to be. We don't know how your health is going to end up. We don't know really how school's going to end up. We don't know what's going to happen after uh, the hoedown or, no, sorry, fiesta. We don't know. We don't know a lot of things. There's a lot of things we don't know, but there's one thing that we do know. We do know that for those who love God, right, this is a promise with a prerequisite. This is a promise with a prerequisite. So, hey, if you don't love God, you don't love Jesus, hey, you know, you get to check out. This doesn't apply to you. It's okay. But for those who have put their trust in Jesus, it says, we know that for those who love God, and that word love God, that just means you love God supremely over the good things and bad things. We know for that those who love God, all things work together for good. So wait, all things? Yeah, all things. All things, Paul? Are you sure? Yes, all things, Kelly. Yeah, all things. Good things? Yes. Bad things? Yes. Bad things? Like cancer? Yes. Bad things? Like death? Yeah. They work for good? Bad things like a breakup? Yeah. They work for good. For who, though? Who do they work for good? They work for those who love God. Those who love God over the good circumstances. Those who love God over having their way. See, if you love God supremely, you can have a confidence that no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, you can know with certainty that all things work together for good. That it, in fact, it is God who is causing all these things to work together. Yes, even the bad things, God. They work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So if you would let God have the time in your life, he can repurpose your pain. See, I like that it says all things work what? Together. See, sometimes in our perspective, we take one thing out of its context and we look at it in what? Isolation. We don't look at all things together. God's view. He usually sees all things together. But we look at one circumstance in our life and we see it in isolation. And we think, God, how can this possibly be good? What could you possibly be doing that is good here? Then God says, no, no, no. Sweetheart, don't do that. Let's look at all things together. Not just that one isolated incident. But he's working all things together for good 
for those who love God supremely, those who love God over good circumstances, those who love God over themselves, those who love God. All things are working together. It reminds me of a story of this pastor who works at the cancer ward at a children's hospital. Cancer ward, children's hospital, there's a pastor. And the pastor walks up and down the halls with a bookmark. And the bookmark is crochet. Does anybody not know what that means? It's okay. Just turn to the person next to you and ask, what's a crochet? It's when these things get interwoven together. It's like an old woman's thing. No offense. Hey, sorry. Oh, this is when I always see like somebody like in a rocking chair crocheting. And so and this pastor walks up and down this this cancer ward, giving hope to kids who are facing impending death. And he has this bookmark that's crocheted on one side. And you know, and, and on the other side you can see all the different threads. And, and he tells the kids. You see these threads? It looks confusing, doesn't it? And individually, it looks kind of messy. You see like scissor marks, and it's frayed a little bit, and it really doesn't look beautiful on, on this side of the bookmark. But then he turns it over, and it says, God loves you on the other side. Very beautifully, beautifully made, very inter interwoven, intrinsically beautifully like put together, very methodically. And he says to the kids, and I'm going to say to us today, that life is like that. See, on the, we're, we're on this side of eternity. Things look messy. Sometimes things don't make sense. But let me tell you, all things are working together. Because when we enter into eternity on the other side, on the other side of eternity, you will see God's wonderful plan. When you look at life from God's perspective and stop looking at each an individual isolated experience that doesn't make sense, when we start looking at life from God's eternal perspective, we start to see God's beautiful master plan and we can say with confidence, I know that in this pain, in this confusion, that God is working all things together for my good because I love God. I love God more than I love being free from all pain. And even in the pain, I can have hope and I can know. So, as we conclude, three things that we're going to give up. We're going to do away with the myths that just because we experience something doesn't mean you actually learn anything. And just because you know better doesn't necessarily mean that you'll do better. And just because it looks like time is wasting, perhaps it's in that time God is working and preparing for me, for you, a better future. So next time can be better than the, well, yeah, next time can be better than the last time, but not because you want it to be, but because you plan to be. So let's God, so let, let's just let God do that work in us. Let God work together all things for his purpose. But let's know that that'll take time, that'll take humility, and that'll take trust. Let's pray. Father,
I know that you're working all things together for your good and for our good. And we trust you and we love you and we choose to give you our whole life, not just our mind and our body, but we also give you our emotions. And we choose not to be led by them, but we choose to be led by you. We ask that you just come in and you lead us from this day forward. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Amen.